This is the Alone With Our Principles podcast, episode 22, Cricket Dynasty. I'm Eric. And I'm Chris, and we're both elementary school principals in the Hesperia Unified School District in Southern California. On this episode, we talk with Dr. Joe Sanfilippo, superintendent of schools in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. Joe started the One Minute Walk to Work Leadership Challenge and co-authored The Power of Branding, Telling Your School Story, Principal Professional Development, Leading Learning in a Digital Age, and Hacking Leadership, 10 Ways Great Leaders Inspire Learning That Teachers, Students, and Parents Love. Dr. Sanfilippo was selected as one of 117 Future Ready Superintendents in 2014 and one of 50 superintendents as a personalized learning leader in 2016 by the U.S. Department of Education. Education Dive named Joe their National Superintendent of the Year in 2019. He has been a featured speaker in multiple states in the areas of advancing the use of social media for school leaders, telling your school story, creating a culture of yes, and personalized professional growth for staff. Alone with Our Principles is unofficially sponsored by Callaway Golf Clubs and Forest Lawn Mortuary. If you're buying a fairway to heaven. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. So far this semester, he has been absent Nine times. I'm the principal, man. All right. Well, we're going to get started, Joe. Uh, once again, thank you for so much for joining us on our podcast today. You know, uh, our first uh, time meeting you was back, uh, well, I know for Chris at least, uh, I believe he saw you speak at a model schools conference in Nashville here a few yeah. years back. Yeah, 2016, maybe 17? Yeah, I think, uh, I think even 18. Uh, it was a presentation you did with uh, Jimmy Casas. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and when we do, you know, whenever you go to a big conference like that where there's like four or five days, it's going to be, there's going to be some things that are great and there's going to be other things that are okay. But, but I'll tell you, Joe, and this is the um, highly compliment the guest segment. Um, that session alone basically gave me everything that I needed to jumpstart the following school year with our social media platforms and reaching out to the community. So, um, yeah, so thank you for that. That was, that was very influential in moving forward with our school. Uh, No problem, man. It's like, it's, that was a fun session. I remember that session. It was like, it was packed and, and, uh, it was, that was a fun session. And I was like, I always love working with Jimmy and we seem to pretty kind of go back and forth and have a good time with it. So it works out pretty well. I'm glad you liked it though. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and then, and then shortly after that, I think uh, Hesperia Unified recruited you to come out and lead our yeah. uh, all-district in-service in 2018 when you literally got to speak to every member of the district over there at High Desert Church with a packed house as well. That was crazy. That was probably that was one of the, like, the highlights of any speaking thing that I've ever done. There was so many people there, and they were so into it, and it was, it was unbelievable to just look out into that audience and see how many people were out there, how many educators were there, and um, man, I tell you, I just had so much fun with that group. That was really, really good time. Well, and I will tell you, you know, just from my personal experience, that was the first time I saw you speak. And, you know, we do those we do those in services every year, certainly not this past year for obvious reasons. But, right. you know, you always wonder how somebody's going to be able to capture the attention of, you know, I don't know, three, four thousand people. And, you know, you certainly brought the house down in that way and your energy was unparalleled. Yeah. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It was, it was definitely worth the, worth the trip out there, man. I just had <laughs> so much fun. 
Awesome. And then, uh, so later that afternoon, I know that principals were invited to a kind of a, mm-hmm. a smaller, more intimate kind of session with you. And you talked about a lot of different things. But one of the things you talked about that we wanted to highlight right now was the idea of starting a podcast. And I know that mm-hmm. for Chris at his school at the time, that was something that he took and ran with, I believe that very year. And you started doing it with, with kids, right? Right. And uh, yeah. Cause, um, Joe, you showed us how simple it was to just record a podcast yeah. basically live to your phone on the app. And so I said, all right, we can try this. So at the school I was at at the time, we tried it with kids and it was great. And then mm-hmm. we said, well, if we're doing this with kids, uh, Eric and I decided to, um, start our own podcast, trying to bring in people from education from our own district. And then we kind of, uh, tricked Carrie into helping us with all the technical stuff. Yeah. And, you know, over time we've upgraded our equipment a little bit with the support of our district and here we are. So Joe, you actually planted the seed yeah. for this very thing that we're doing right now. Well, that's fantastic. Let's, let, you know what? I'll take, I'll take that. That's no, great. Absolutely. We just throw it out to people. I, it's just, uh, we're just trying to help out the best that we can. And if there's any way that we can kind of keep people invested in having conversations about how to get better, then I'm all about that. So. It's been fun. It's been a fun run so far. Yeah, for sure. And I know we're going to talk about it in a few minutes when we get into the meat of the episode, but uh, helping us, you know, certainly take down the walls of the school and expose some of the amazing things that are happening. This is certainly a way to Mm -hmm. do that. So we're excited about that. But if you don't mind, Joe, just to kind of start off, would you mind telling us maybe a little bit about your background, your experience, how you got to where you are today and some of the things you've done? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, was, uh, I taught kindergarten, second grade, fifth grade. And then I was a counselor, elementary counselor for a while. And then I was a principal uh, at an elementary school. And then I was a principal and superintendent for a little bit. And now I'm a superintendent. So that's kind of the whole run of what ends up being approximately 20, geez, 20, 20, almost 24 years now in doing it. So um, it's, and it's been, you know, I think I've been doing it, the administration part of it for, um, for 10 uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Actually, it's more than that because I've been a, I've been a superintendent here for ten years, so it's been about fifteen years of of, uh, of administration uh, over the course of my career. So, but it's been a really good opportunity, and I've I've always been in places that are um, just really supportive of of schools and really supportive of kids and really supportive of teachers, to be honest. So it's been fun to to be part of that whole conversation. Very cool. Very cool. And so I I believe for our listeners who may not know, you are currently a superintendent in Wisconsin. I am, yeah, yeah. I'm superintendent of Fall Creek School District, the home of the Fall Creek Crickets, Fall Creek, Wisconsin, best place in the world. I'm a man of respect around here. They love me around here. I'm a swell guy. All right, so uh, one of the things we like to do to kind of have a little fun and also get to know our guests a little better is we call it the quiz. So if you don't mind, yeah. we're going to ask you some questions. And the first one is, can you maybe just tell us and our listeners a funny or memorable story about when, uh, from a time when you were a student in school? Yeah, so I think the uh, I, there was a bunch of them because school wasn't built for me because I always wanted to be on a stage and they didn't have those in second grade. <laughs> so it was it was a problem for for uh, for all the teachers. I was a problem for the teachers, and I was a problem for a couple reasons. One, I wasn't really paying attention to stuff, and two, my parents were going to advocate for me left and right no matter what. Like so, <laughs> so you didn't just get me; you got my two parents that are just kind of run in and, and defend blindly. Uh, um, so that probably wasn't always the best situation, but, uh, and I guess that kind of leads to the, the funny story because I had a principal, uh, in elementary school and his name was Mr. Bright. He was a great guy. He's a great guy. He's walking around school. does a lot of the stuff that, that I used, that I do now walk around school, pop in people, you know, say hi, that kind of thing. I always saw a guy around. Right. And, uh, in third grade, you know, Mr. Bright's walking around. I thought it would, it would be, uh, I thought it'd be funny that when he was walking around that I would get the whole class when he came in and said, you know, hey, how's everybody doing to everybody that would respond, you know, uh, we're doing great. Not so. 
because not so bright is really funny for a third grader, right? So, <laughs> it took me a second. Okay, <laughs> I got you now. And I'm like, well, that sounds fantastic. I thought I was, I was, I was ahead of my time in terms of comedy, right? Like a third grade kid can come up with that. That's so I'm sharp. like, so I, everybody walks in. He says hi, everybody. And they're like, hey, not so. And nobody knew why they said it, but I got him to say it. So I, they all said it. And he knew exactly what, what was going on. He, he pointed at me right away. I was out. I didn't know how bad it was till I got there and into the principal's office and we're having the conversation about it and, you know, how disrespectful it is. And then he calls my mom. He calls my mom and tells her on the phone what she said. And I'm about, you know, I'm sitting across the desk from him and I hear my mom on the other side of the phone laugh. And I thought, <laughs> That's a good oh, sign. man, like I, I, and I didn't tell her that I heard it because she, then when I got home, she said, you know, you can't do that. That's not, that's disrespectful and please don't do that anymore. But I didn't want to say like, I heard you laugh. I heard you <laughs> laugh. Like, uh, you know, that was funny. And that was third grade. And I remember it like it was yesterday. So, you know, I think there's, uh, and I think we, we all have these kind of scenarios that come up and, you know, and, and I think I wasn't a great kid in, uh, in elementary school at all. And I, and I, and I found myself into more trouble than I probably should have. My, my, actually my mom saw one of my teachers, my second grade teacher, she saw her at the grocery store a couple of years ago. And she, and she was one of those teachers that I think my mom just wanted to say, you know, hey, you know what Joe's doing right now, huh? You know, like, you know, it's like, so she goes, hey, guess what Joey's doing right now? And the teacher's like, you know, she kind of looks at my mom like, what, like five to ten somewhere? Is that like, oh, and, and my mom's like, no, he's a, he's a superintendent in a, in, a, in a school district. And she said that the woman just kind of, like lost her mind, kind of like said, just kind of looked at her really confused. And then she said, you know, after, after a couple of seconds, she said, you know, we always thought if we could take someone who got into a lot of trouble, but had a lot of, had a, you know, had a presence, he'd probably be a pretty good administrator. And, you know, hopefully I'll be a pretty good administrator. But, you know, I just, I just wasn't built for school at the time. Yeah, it seems wow. to be working out for you, though, Joe. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's going all right so far. I the think the we'll, thing is going well. Yeah, for the most part, you know, there there are days, but for the most part, I think we're in a good situation. Absolutely. All right, great story. So tell us about, uh, how about the best job that you've ever had outside of education? Oh, bartender. Easily. Not even close. <laughs> no, it's not close. Not close. I bartended in college at the Abbey Bar in uh, De Pere, Wisconsin. And the guys that owned the Abbey Bar, Kerry uh, Cunard was the guy that owned the bar. He took care of me. Man, he took care of me like, you know, a, a college kid who doesn't have anything. You know, he, he always uh, gave me hours that I needed. He'd take me golfing. Like, we'd all go golfing together as a staff and that kind of thing. And I couldn't afford to do any of that stuff. But he, uh, he was, you know, willing to kind of lean in to me a little bit and give me opportunities and uh and i loved i loved being there i loved being at the bar and i loved being you know kind of connected and talking to people and you know we were, we were pretty it was a pretty laid back kind of situation like nobody's getting into bar fights or anything like that nobody's getting too crazy for the most part and you know he's like just a bunch of college kids hanging out watch like like a day like today like a day like today which is just it's uh you know the start of of uh, march madness like this is the day that the bar just gets crazy fun and you get a chance just to just like everybody screaming and yelling at the TV and you're talking and everything like that. So I, I loved being a bartender. I absolutely had a, had a blast doing it. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so the last one for the quiz is uh, this one might date you a little bit, so I apologize. But uh, how about a movie, TV show or music group that bring back some memories of your high school years? 
High school years. High school years was probably like, you know, when Hoosiers came out. Hoosiers was my favorite movie for a long time. I've always been a basketball guy. And so, um, you know, and, and it's 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 one of those things that Hoosiers kind of connected with me a lot, not to be a downer or anything like that. But, you know, my dad had gone through a lot of struggles with a, from a substance uh, perspective. And, and so I think that movie really resonated with me because we were a small school. We won a state championship. We had a guy that was, you know, part of the part of the program, but, you know, needed some help and that kind of thing and they really supported my dad and getting that help and that kind of thing so it was it was that that movie really resonated with me on a number of different levels but from a basketball perspective from a a kid perspective from a son perspective and um so that was probably the one that i that i go back to the most when it comes to uh you know what what i what's what i'm reminded of all right so now we want to talk a little bit uh we'll get into your book a hacking leadership um Mm -hmm. momentarily but we wanted to start with your presence on social media, especially on Twitter, I, you know, I've, I've been following uh, you for several years on Twitter and just the content that you're able to generate on a daily or weekly basis is always pretty inspiring. And one of the things that has kind of caught the attention lately of administrators across the world is uh, the one minute walk to work. Uh, now, yeah. in your case, it's, it seems like it's a literal one minute walk to work. So why don't you talk about mm-hmm. that? How did that, what was the genesis for that idea and what's the purpose of doing that? Right. That's a really, it's a really interesting well, I, guess, I don't know if it's interesting. You'll have to tell me. But I, but I think the, you know, we had partnered with uh, a local um, company that does um, that does social media for schools, and it's called Social School for EDU, and they're a wonderful, wonderful company. Andrea Gribble is the CEO, and she's fantastic, and they really celebrate school stories and and help schools across the country do some really cool things when it comes to uh, telling a story of your school. And and this was years ago that I had started, you know, um, you know, doing the whole school story thing. And she had reached out to me and said that, you know, we'd love to be able to partner with your school district. And if you could give some tips and, and, you know, tricks and social media stuff and, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we could partner. And I'm like, well, that sounds fantastic. So I just started really just kind of putting some stuff out there uh, and it just happened that I was putting it out there while I was walking to school in the morning on Saturdays. And then that kind of went to the wayside because we started doing some other stuff with them. And um, so this then turned into, I, I kind of liked the response that we were getting. So I just kind of kept doing it. And one one episode turned into five, turned into 10. And then all of a sudden things kind of got really rolling and people were asking like, why didn't you do it this week? Or what's going on? Or, you know, when are you going to do another one? And, um, and I thought that was kind of odd because I mean, like, who am I? I'm just walking literally across the street to school and having couple thoughts and whatever. And so I live, you know, 132 steps from door to door. (laughs) And that's really, you know, I mean, I could actually, actually live 82 steps from door to the first door that I could go in every time. But I, you know, I just start talking about leadership and, and, um, and what we can do differently in schools. And, and, and it's been relatively well received. And I think people have, um, have taken some of the things from it. And, and for me, it's just like, you know, you, you got, I don't have a long attention span like, at all. I am like, I am awful in terms of, you know, trying to stay, you know, in the moment with people. And so if we can kind of get that done in a minute and a half, minute and 40 seconds, and the one minute walk to work was really when it started, I was literally walking, you know, one minute from door to door, but then it got going and I wanted to keep sharing a couple more thoughts. So I go actually past one door. That's literally <laughs> a minute. And then I go to another door. That's a little bit farther um, just to get a couple more thoughts out, but uh, it's, it's been fun. And uh, I was looking at it today, there's almost 70, 70 of those, uh, walks over the course of the last couple of years. And 
I keep thinking at some point I'm just going to run out of content. And you know, I, the, the thing about that is like, I don't force myself to do one every week or every other week or whatever. It's kind of like, well, when you have an idea, just go do it. I mean, I walk to work every Saturday morning cause it's a nice opportunity just to kind of be in a quiet space. And I get up well before my family does. And if I'm out in the kitchen, I'm literally, I'm, I'm making enough noise where they're going to wake up and that's not going to be a good situation. So I just walk across the street to school and start thinking about things a little differently. So, and to be honest, so it's been fun with a fall Creek, Wisconsin winter, a minute can probably seem a lot longer when it's like minus five and snowing. Oh God, minus five and snowing, I'll take <laughs> minus 40, minus 40. That'll get you every time. Oh right. Like that's the problem. Oh man. So right, I wanted to talk about a couple of the specific um, one minute walks to work that you've done lately. Uh, the one that, that really resonated for me was uh, one you titled every interaction matters. Uh, and it made me think of a story that, you know, I want to attribute it to Wayne Gretzky, but it might not have been him, but it was a celebrity who had kind of said that he always takes into consideration when he's meeting fans that for him, it's one of a thousand interactions that he has on a daily or weekly basis. But for that fan, it's a story they're probably going to tell the rest of their life. So what yeah. does he want that story to be? I mean, he can be having a bad day and suddenly in somebody's mind, Wayne Gretzky is the biggest jerk in the world when that's not really the case. So uh, yeah, the every single interaction matters. Why don't you talk to that a little bit about what, um, what that means to you? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's kind of the way that I live my life. I mean, I think the idea that we have to understand is that, you know, all of the interactions that we parcel together as, as human beings are the, what, collectively going to be what people talk about us. But at the same time, they may only get a chance to see you one time in their life, you know, and I, and if that's the only time that people see you and talk to you from a school perspective, then you not only represent you as a human being, but you represent you as a school. So when they meet the superintendent of schools and the superintendent of schools is a total jerk to them, then that's what all superintendents are or do because I met the one that just treated me this way. Having said that, the opposite is, is also true. If you if you lean into those people and you really give them an opportunity to be part of the conversation and uh, and you know kind of go on that, now you found yourself in a place that people are going to talk to talk about you in a different capacity. So I think that's really you know one of those things. My mom always says that you're always interviewing for your next job. So I always kind of keep that in my mind when you know every time that you you know interact with somebody, that could be the opportunity that comes up somewhere down the road. Um, and, and I think that's important. And I think that part of it is honestly part of the reason that, that I'm here. And the funny thing about that is like, you know, we were, uh, we were in a neighboring town. I was a superintendent in a neighboring town, but we were kind of walking down the, the streets of, uh, uh, it was Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. So we're walking down the streets of Chippewa Falls just in the summer and hanging out. And my family's there and um, and the superintendent in Fall Creek was also there. And I had known him from a previous uh, place. That was, he was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin when I was there. And we're walking through and... Um, and um, as we're walking down the street, you know, I see him and I kind of waved at him and said hi. And my son, Aiden, who's now 20 uh, at the time, he's like 11 at the time, he just walked over across the street, shook his hand and said, hi, my name's Aiden Sam Flippo. It's very nice to meet you. And so then, you know, then he came over and we talked and we all talked. And the next, uh, about two days later, um, the, the guy called me and he said, you know, we got an opening coming up in Fall Creek and, you know, I'd meet your family. This might be a really great place for you to, to take a look at. So, you know, that one interaction, you know, I, I don't know if it sold him on me, but it certainly did not hurt at all. So... Yeah, and it's one of those things that we tell our staff, uh, and you hit on it perfectly, uh, when we meet with our staff at the beginning of the year, we always say that you might be the first point of contact 
for any of our parents, whether it's a student that's in your class or not. If you happen to be out at the pickup line or greeting kids right. in the morning, anybody that comes to you is going to form an impression, not just of you, but of your of our teaching staff and of our school and of our district from that one interaction. So it's a great opportunity, but it's also you know, it's also a little dangerous if, if you're not in the in that mindset that day. Uh, another- yeah, and that's important to do that. It's important to make sure you find a way to put yourself in the right mindset to be there. And whatever that means, like we talked to our group about making sure that you start your day and end your day with joy just so you can be there for the people that you care about the most at the end of the day, but also be invested in the people that you're there to take care of during during the day. So what are you doing to make sure that you're in the right mindset so that conversation doesn't have to happen? I wasn't in a good mood and then I met the mom and then all of a sudden things went sideways. Well, you know, what do you got to do to make sure that you're in the right mindset to be there for the mom that you might not want to talk to, but that's not your choice at that time. Right. And now another one of the, uh, I want to talk about one more of the one minute walk to work and then we'll yeah. move on to something else. But uh, the one that you did called Be the Second, um, that got mm-hmm. our attention because we had actually seen the video. I think that that references with the, what they called them the lone nut dancing on the side of a hill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, t- uh, talk, us, talk to us about what Be the Second actually means. So the thing about being a second, I think that the thing about that we have to understand is like the, the, the people that are willing to do crazy things or take a risk are really, truly important to your organization. But the second people are probably more important. And the reason is when they are invested with the first person, with the person that takes the risk, two things happen. The first thing that happens is the person that's taking the risk will feel valued because they're not alone anymore. Right. And I think that's a big piece of it, because if you don't feel alone, you're going to continue to move forward. But the second part of it is that when other people see that second person going up to the person on the hill, the second person, you know, helping the person that's taking the risk, they know that if they take a risk, then they're not going to be alone either. So if we can find ourselves a way in a way to, to you know, really celebrate the second person, celebrate the idea that, you know, you help someone move forward. So it's important that you get recognized as well. You know, and there was two things in that video. One seemed like it was almost like an afterthought that you said, and then the other that seemed to be the key takeaway. But the afterthought that resonated with me, and correct me if I'm wrong on that, it might have been completely yeah. intentional, but you said we can't and shouldn't always be the first. And, and that kind of hit home with me because sometimes, you know, I can be that personality that I like being up there in front. But, you know, I know that if, if I'm doing that all the time, it doesn't send the right message. What did that mean to you? Yeah, well, same thing. I think that if we as the leader are always in front, then we don't allow anybody else to lead or be seen. And, you know, part of, you know, when we talk about hacking leadership, part of hacking leadership, a big concept is that we lead from the middle. So sometimes you have to be out in front. Sometimes you have to be in the middle and sometimes you have to be in the, in the back, just kind of pushing people along. But if you're always in front, then nobody else can be in front. And if that's the case, then you're really not leading. You're just, you know, kind of like just, just out there, you know, taking all the credit for stuff that other people are doing. Cause nobody else, they're not going to come along with you if you're, you're going to be alone, to be honest. So yeah, that was, that's an important piece of it too, is that you can't be the first person on the hill all the time and you shouldn't, you certainly shouldn't. So find a way to help people on that hill and then find the second person. Cause you shouldn't always be the second person either. So you have to, not only can you be, have the person on the hill dancing and you can be the second for that person, you know, that's fine. But when you find other people to be the second, now all of a sudden you've got this culture built where everybody wants to be part of this moving forward. Now as a superintendent or as a principal or as any other leader, what are some of the things that you do to help identify people that would be effective seconds, so to speak, and how do you encourage them to do that? 
I, I think it, I don't know if I identify individuals. I think it's just a concept that we have to be really cognizant of. And it really starts with knowing the people in your organization, because if you have somebody that takes a risk in the area of technology, you have to know other people that are really in that area that can help them along. If you have somebody who wants to take a risk in the area of curriculum development, you have to find somebody else in the organization that's willing to stand next to them in that process or community engagement or social media or parent engagement or learning spaces or whatever. And knowing the people that you serve is really the biggest part to making sure that not that, that nobody's going to be alone in the process. All right. So let's move now to uh, hacking leadership. And uh, obviously, you know, if we had five hours, four hours, we could talk mm-hmm. about the whole book, which was, in, you know, incredible. I enjoyed the book because it's one of my favorite type of leadership books. It's relevant. It's easy to digest. And there's a lot of things in there that, you know, you can implement right away. Um, two features of every one of the hacks or the chapters, uh, you have what, what you can do tomorrow and then overcoming pushback. So, um, I I really wanted to dig a little bit into the overcoming pushback part of that. Um, because there's always going to be skeptics in anything we do. You're going to have people that, um, are just going to complain about whatever, or there's people that have legitimate concerns, but really with most decisions we make as leaders, you get some pushback. So what's your take on that and how it relates to the hacking leadership? So the, the book is, is, um, is, kind of like cut into that whole hacking mentality, which Mark Barnes had developed and uh, he had done hacking education and a, a number of different books in that series. And I think it's a brilliant way to move things forward because he talks about, you know, how do you make sure that here's the problem, here's a solution, here's what you can do tomorrow. You know, here's a blueprint for, for pl- full implementation. And then here's what you're going to do with pushback when you receive it. And I think it's a great way to think of how we take on not only problems in school, but how do we move things forward in school? So the pushback is really about, you might not get that particular pushback for each hack that you try, but at the same time, if you're thinking about what detractors are going to say about the momentum or about the initiative or about whatever is going on, you put yourself in a better position to answer that question. And uh, if you don't, because if you don't see that that's going to happen, then you don't know what the response could be when you get there. So giving, having some sense of what you would say in the moment or what you would do in the moment just puts you in the right mindset to take on something that, um, that may sound or or may, you know, may not be as popular as, as you would have thought. So that's kind of where that came from. All right. And in hack one, uh, we talked a little bit about this with the personal interactions and every interaction matters, but hack one is be present and engaged. Uh, what are some of the things that a, that you do and B that you could recommend to, uh, site administrators? Uh, geez, that's a great question because um, I, there's a reason why that hack is first. Because if you're not present and engaged in the moment with the people that you're with, then there's simply no chance that any of the other stuff is going to work. Because if you if they don't believe that you're there for them or that you're in the moment with them or that you're invested with them and you're present and engaged with them, then there's no chance that they're going to follow any initiative that they're skeptical about or they have any questions about or, you know, or anything moving forward. If, the, if you're present and engaged and give them the genuine authenticity of being another human being in that space, then there's much more likelihood that they're going to go forward with you when it comes to moving anything forward. The more people that you have with you, moving that forward, then the better chance you have for that momentum to move and then that initiative to be placed and that kind of thing. So that starts with being present and engaged in the moment with all of the people that you're with, because without that, you know, you're going to have a problem. So some of the things that I do to make sure that I am present and engaged in the moment is, um, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit, starting your day and ending your day with joy, 
uh, I took a look at like, what are the first 10 things that I do, you know, in my day to start my day. And a lot of the things that I used to do at the start of my day were really low level uh, skill, uh, you know, just low level skill stuff that I could have done at any time during the day, answer emails, um, you know, sign some forms. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I did that, I, I like, I don't know if it's this, this way there, but there's not a lot of people in, that are emailing the superintendent of schools at six o'clock in the morning with great things to say about the school. So <laughs> by the time I got done reading all those emails and I'm responding to all those emails, I'm already in the wrong mindset to go out and see anybody in the school. So I just had to change up my daily routine to put myself in the right position to be present and engaged. And I can still get to the other things, but I got to make sure that I can continue to be present and engaged in the moment for those people. And now hack four um, is one, you know, we're in, hopefully, I was going to say the middle of a pandemic. Hopefully we're getting to the tail end (laughs) of the pandemic here. Um, But flattening the walls of your school and reaching out to the community is especially critical during our year of distance learning. And I've got to give a shout out to my co-host here, Mr. Land, uh, who's created one of the one of the funnier hashtags that I've seen that uh, what's the Lime Street joke of the day. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, cool. Good. Eric is a fountain of bad dad jokes. I'm not going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> but, but I mean, it gets so I'm looking forward to them every day just to go on social media to see uh, Eric with his Lime Street joke of the day. So that's resonated for a lot of us. Um, what are some of the things that you've done at Fall Creek? I mean, because I've got to say that Go Crickets hashtag. Joe, I think you've done more for the cricket community since any individual since Jiminy. Um, because that is, that is just, it it is catching on, uh, you know, all over. How did, what's the genesis of that? First of all. Yeah. Well, so when I got here 10 years ago, I was in my interview with the, with the board. I asked them, I said, so what's your expectation of me as superintendent here? What do you, how am I going to know if I'm successful? And one of the board members, you know, I, I know I was talking. And so, and I was the fifth superintendent in six years here. So it was like turnover after turnover after turnover. Turn. So one of the board members said that we've got a lot of really great things happening here, but nobody knows about them. And so I said to them coming in and my answer to that was, I might not be the best superintendent you're going to hire, but I'm the loudest person in the world. <laughs> so if there's a good things happening here, I can promise you that people will know about them. And 10 years later, I, I think I, I think we've kind of lived up to that promise when, you know, people all over the country know the, about the work that we do. And, and it's it's just that I'm loud and I've got things to shout because our teachers are so really incredible at the work that they do. And I think they see now that when we do those things, it's like at first they kind of thought, man, this guy's a little bit loud. Like he's out there like this is really this might be a little over the top. But when those things turned into we've now got a different audience. And that audience is people that want us to come and present at places. That's our audience are people that really want to uh, learn from us. Now our teachers feel like they're valuable beyond their walls because they get a chance to go to these conferences. They get a chance to connect with other teachers across the country. They get a chance to show their passion to everybody. And that really changes the opportunity moving forward. Now, I have to say that I was a little bit uh, apparently late to the party on Go Crickets because um, thinking back to the Model Schools Conference in Nashville a couple of years ago, when I went into the, uh, the um, workshop uh, with you and uh, Jimmy Casas, something was mentioned about crickets and like everybody there except me was going, yeah, go crickets, go crickets. And I'm like, what the heck is go crickets? <laughs> now, about 10 minutes into your presentation, it became very clear. But, right. uh, but I remember thinking at the time, I'm sitting in a room of a couple hundred administrators that all yeah. know what go crickets is. <laughs> (laughs) I'm going to sit down and listen to what this gentleman has to say because it's definitely having an impact. 
Yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah. You can't be funny and be the principal of a prep school. So, all right, well, we wrap up every episode with a fun extra credit question. Uh, but from oh, time, wow, all right. Oh, yeah. But from time to time, we take questions from our listeners. Uh, we've had students ask us questions like, why did you want to start a podcast or do you ever get in trouble in school? But today we have a question from a Mr. Murray TC in Washington, D.C., who writes in and asks anonymously, uh, Joe, do you believe there's a direct correlation between high school hairstyles and one's effectiveness as a leader later in life? Yeah, well, I, I think the biggest piece of that is that, you know, it, if it impacts you later in life, you wouldn't live, you wouldn't work at your mom's house as, <laughs> as your office. That's what I would say. But the hairstyles come and go, but living in mom's basement is apparently lasts forever if you're Murray TC in Washington, D.C. <laughs> the guy, the guy the, he, when your office is your mom's basement, I mean, that's, you're, you're 40 years old, man. Like, that's a problem when she's cutting the crusts off your peanut butter and jelly for lunch, man. Like, Jesus, be an adult. My goodness. Holy cow. So, yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I would answer that. That guy, I haven't talked to that guy in probably, I haven't seen him in a year. Last time I talked to him, he delivered me a pizza at Mod Pizza. He was fantastic. I, I left a little extra tip for him. He was doing okay. It seemed like everything was really well. The pizza was really good. I hope his manager <laughs> felt like it was a good situation. So I just really hope that uh, he gets him, give himself an opportunity to really outsource, maybe get out to the shed in his parents' house at some point for Move the yeah, right. You know, you never know. You never know. But I, I love him to death. You know, he's a fantastic guy. I mean, he doesn't work in school, so he doesn't know what he's talking about. But everybody, <laughs> it's fine. To, he can still spout off anything he wants in terms of hair. Oh, man. So I, this is a point we need to recommend to all our listeners to please follow uh, Dr. Sanfilippo on Twitter. Yes, and, uh, and Thomas Murray. Thomas Murray I mean, as well. It, it is, I don't even know who to compare it to, but watching the Twitter uh, repartee between the two of you is almost like watching Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman on first take in the morning sometimes. That's right. So I for the sake of our listeners, Joe, why don't you give us a little bit of the background to that? Because I know uh, we've had uh, both you and Dr. Murray here in our district. And don't, don't say Dr. Murray. Sorry. He's not a doctor. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. My bad. He's Mr. Murray. Let's <laughs> be very clear about that. You know, doctor is doctor. There's no doctor going on. McGillicuddy is more of a doctor than that guy is a doctor. Let's be really clear about that. Okay. So yeah. So Tom, Tom Murray is, uh, is, is one of my best friends in the world and I, and I love him dearly and I'll make fun of him every day, but he is an incredible educator and uh, one that I hold truly dear to my heart. Uh, I, I love him. I really do. And, but at the same time, we get these opportunities to really kind of uh, go back and forth at each other. And they really kind of revolve around three different themes. The first theme is that I don't have any hair and he photoshopped the <laughs> picture and I, of me having hair from high school. And all of a sudden that ends up being the whole thing. The second thing is that I actually work in a school and he doesn't, so that helps. And then the third thing is that my school district has 850 kids and he claims he's got more in his neighborhood than I have in the school. So <laughs> he's doing incredible things all across the country, and I and I love going back and forth with him, but I also think his work is, is fantastic. So we've got a mutual respect for each other, and again, uh, one of my best friends in the world, and uh, a lot of the opportunities that I have, uh, you know, I've had uh, are really connected to the work that he's doing. So again, I love him, but I'm going to make fun of him till, till I don't have a breath in me. 
And uh, just for the sake of total transparency, Joe, he may or may not have shared that um, mullet picture oh, he may um, that, yeah. that, that could possibly show up on the Alone With Our Principles podcast <laughs> Facebook page uh, when we drop this episode. Uh, it, looks like, it looks like the start of a new reality show, Cricket Dynasty. Uh, or yeah, something, right, but, right. Uh, so. That's right. That's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's got time to do it. He's not going to have a job, so I may as well... <laughs> All right, so we'll go to the the actual extra credit question because uh, okay, we, we we know from following you that uh, that you're a sports fan. So we want to look at the NFL, and if it's am I correct in assuming that you're a Green Bay Packers fan? Hundred percent. So that puts us all in the NFC. Uh, Eric being a Cowboys fan, and me being a yeah. New York Giants fan. Oh, yeah. Cowboys fan! Do you say that out loud, Eric? Do you, do you actually admit that to people? Uh, are usually you still somebody, a Cowboys fan in uh, January? Do you, are you able to wear stuff in January? No, no. It, it depends on where like I'm going. Stopping. It depends on where that's I'm going. Right. But I married into the Cowboys family. I always sit and tell people you did. I did. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, you, you realize it's not a logo; it's a rating, right? <laughs> well, it's the heart. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a new one. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, in, in the spirit of the NFL, uh, what NFL rule would you change, add, or get rid of? Now, it can be an actual rule, like if you want to say one foot inbounds is a catch, or it can be something completely ridiculous, like if a quarterback slides and there's no defender within 10 yards of him, he has to play the rest of that series wearing, I don't know, a pink helmet or something. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but what rule would you change in the NFL? Oh man, I would I would say that everybody's got. I mean, I love kickers and everything, but I'd say everybody's got to go for two after a touchdown. Oh, that's gonna be because that just makes it that makes it you know just I, I think you I, I think it makes it a little bit more competitive and and uh, I think everybody should have to have to do that. And I you know I say that because you know my team decided that on fourth and eight from the eight they decided not to go for it and kick it. So I got a problem with kickers right now. I mean, <laughs> You're eight yards away. Go, God. (laughs) I can't even start. It just makes me so mad. So yeah, it's uh two two after a touchdown and on fourth and eight in the fourth quarter. Always go for it on the eight yard line when you have the best quarterback in the league. Always. Well, you're gonna love my rule change, Joe, because mine is basically the opposite of yours. Um, I want to create a rule called the Let It Ride system for extra points. Uh, so I would actually eliminate the traditional two-point conversion. Stay with me. Um, but after a touchdown, the first point after touchdown is snapped from the two. Like the old school ones, you snap it from the two, you kick it from the 10. It's a 20-yard kick, you get one point. If the kicker makes it, you can now let it ride, move the line of scrimmage back 10 yards, kick an extra yard, kick, kick an extra 10-yard kick, and now you've got two extra points. You can either take the two or let it ride and move back another 10 yards. You do that as far as you want. You can get a touchdown worth anywhere from six to 11 points if your kicker can make a 58-yarder. The downside, yeah. the downside, however, is if you miss one, you lose them all. So oh, yeah. that would play havoc with all kinds of point spreads. I mean, let's say the Dallas Cowboys were 11-point favorites. I mean, they'd have to be playing the college for the blind or something like that. But let's right, say right. let's say Dallas was an 11-point favorite, and all of a sudden um, they're kicking two, three, four extra points just to cover the spread. It could create a whole different scenario. So I like. Yeah. I love that it's, our rules are basically opposite. You, you would eliminate the kicking game, and I would make it probably the most important Thank part you. of the game. It would. It would be part of the biggest part of the game because if you had a great kicker, man, you're going. That's going to be. That's going to be huge. Right, so, what about you, Eric? What's uh, your What's your so rule change? I, I came up with a couple. So, the first one I thought of was, you know, let's talk a minute about defensive pass interference. So, yeah. you know, uh, the assumption is that just about every pass that is interfered with is going to be caught. And I think, you know, I think of it this way: you think about basketball. If a player is going for a dunk, right, and he gets fouled. Uh, does he get to play the ball from the spot of the foul? Of course not. He goes to the foul line. There's a standard line 
where he has to go to make that free throw, but yet we can uh, may throw a 60-yard pass down a field that has no intention of being caught and still be called for pass right. interference. Right. So uh, I think there needs to be some type of a, a standard for pass interference, not necessarily spot of the foul or a one-yard line if it's, it happens in the end zone. Uh, and I then totally agree. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree with that. It, it, it's crazy. It pretty frivolous sometimes. And then my second one was more of a, a silly one, but think about like a coach's challenge. So we have coaches challenges in the NFL. So I'm going to say that if the coach challenges a call and he uh, loses the challenge, the coach subs in and for the rest of the drive. He has, he has to play. Yeah. I love Throw it. on the pads, Belichick, you're in. <laughs> Throw on the pads. You know, right. And they can choose what right. position he takes, you know. But uh, he's got this. Right. He lost the challenge. Oh, so. that would be great. Yeah. Well, Joe might just challenge all the time just to play more. Like, that's true. Some of them would. I challenge yeah. again. I challenge. Yeah, that's right. You're well, out of challenge. There's nothing to challenge. I don't care. I'm challenging <laughs> it, man. I'm in. I challenge the fact that there was no challenges. Right. Um, all right, well, Joe, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. Um, anything else in closing uh, to share with our listeners um, about what you've got coming up or anything like that? No, man, I appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, letting me uh, shine a little light on this on, on this fantastic place, and we'll continue to do so. Home of the crickets, best place on earth. All right, thanks, Joe. Take care. Go crickets. Thank you, Joe. Go crickets. That's the fact, All right, it is that time of our episode to talk about our fact check. So, Miss Carrie, what do you got for us today? Well, hello. I am changing it from gentlemen to principals. Oh, look out. I Mm -hmm. like it. Because we certainly can't call the podcast alone with our gentlemen. (laughs) Sorry. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, so I don't really have any fact checks for you because you were perfect. There we go. Oh, there's got to be a sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great episode. Um, So I just actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about the end your day with joy. I thought maybe we could dialogue a little bit about that. I know I came in this morning a little reflective on just how difficult some things have been for us. And I actually came to you and said, how about we start with an optimistic opening for our day? Mm -hmm. And then I said, and we already practice and do an optimistic closure so I just wanted to say how that resonated with me in that space. Yeah, it's something that we've been trying, and I, and I have to give all credit to Carrie because it's, it's, a, it's a notion that she brought up to me, and it's something that um, we've been trying. I, I can't say we're consistent with it in every interaction, every meeting, but when we especially have to deal with really heavy things or difficult things. It's something that has certainly helped me, and you know, she'll just look at me and say, okay, optimistic closure. And so it's just, <laughs> I mean, really, it, it, at first it sounds a little corny and cheesy, but honestly, when you leave a meeting on a, on a high like that and talk about something that's, that brings joy or that's optimistic or you want to celebrate, it certainly helps you leave that space in a much better way versus leaving having to deal with something very difficult or very heavy. Yeah, and what he said in that whole whole piece was that resonated with me is that he doesn't check his emails first thing because you never know what's going to be in there. And, you know, as hard as you try, if you read something that's, you know, anger or disturbing or whatever that could be in your head when, then when you have to go out or when you get to go out to greet students or interact with your staff. So I think that's something that I can, you know, like it says in hacking leadership or what you can do tomorrow. uh, I think what I'm going to start doing is make sure that I don't look at anything that might get into my head before I start interacting with our staff and with the students as they arrive. I thought that was some great advice. I liked that idea too, just of putting myself in the right space before I even engage with an angry parent or a staff member, just making sure I check myself. I like that idea. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe to the Alone With Our Principles podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more content, including videos, contests, and other information, you can follow us on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.
Until next time, this is Eric, and on behalf of Chris and Carrie, we hope you'll remember the words of the great philosopher Ferris Bueller, who once said, Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around once in a while, you could miss it. You're still here? It's over. Go home.